I really felt the Lord put this on my heart, uh, just to share a message um, about love and forgiveness, and just really remind people that of the standard of love that God has called us to, the standard of love that Jesus has um, not only wants us to live it, but has commanded us to live in towards other people. Um, I heard the Father this week say um, something pretty simple but powerful, um, and this is for us as a congregation. I heard the Father just say, return to your first love and let me clean the lenses you've been seeing things through. So I really just feel, you know, all of us in life, we, we have smudges. We have smudges that we see things through. All of us have lenses that we see things through um, in our lives. So whether that is um, distraction in our lives, all of us have distractions. Katrina can testify that I'm a very distracted person. If I'm trying to focus on something or if I'm doing one thing, I have to be very focused. So we have distractions in our lives. Um, we have gossip. Sometimes we have gossip. We hear people have said things about us. You have said things about other people. Um, we have bitterness or we um, just have different things that can be smudges on the lens that we see things through. Um, and that's what I really felt the Father was speaking to is that we need to, we need to let God clean the lenses that we've been seeing things through. Um, you know, sometimes we have scratches on our lenses. Who here has glasses, actually? Raise your hand. I like half, I kind of half envy you because I wish I could wear glasses because I love how they look on your face. But then every person that has glasses, they're like, don't say that. You, you're, you'll regret having them. So I'm like, okay, I don't receive that, Lord. Um, but sometimes we have scratches on our lenses. So sometimes we have things um, such as bitterness or rejection or um, abandonment or false hope. You know, people aren't perfect in our lives. There's going to be, I think every person here has had somebody hurt them in their lives, correct? Just me, not everybody. You know, and so we can have bitterness in our hearts towards people. Uh, we can actually carry rejection in our hearts towards, uh, that we feel rejected. We can feel abandoned in life. Um, and these hurts in life can actually produce scratches on the lens that we see things through. Um, and really, it actually skews how we see the Father, how we see his love, how we see Jesus, how we see people, situations, how we react in situations. Like, basically, the, the internal reality will manifest through you and in your life uh, based on your, your health and the health that God has put inside of you, or the, the health that you have worked with God inside of you. Um, and I felt the Father say this. He said, I want you to embody what it means to walk in complete love and forgiveness. Like, how cool would that be as a church if we actually walked at the highest standard of love and forgiveness that, that there's ever been on earth? But what would it look like in our lives if we actually pursued living at the highest level of love and forgiveness that God has called us to? What would change? How would you change the way uh, you see life, you see people, certain situations even now? What would change if God called you to live in the highest level of love and forgiveness? And that is what he has called us to. So I remember this one time I had this um, boss after, out of high school. I want to say when I was young, but I am young, so I was going to say that. <laughs> I just did. Uh, younger. When I was younger, when I was out of high school, um, I did construction for about two years. The long story short was basically I wanted to go uh, to Bethel. I felt called there. I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me there. Um, my mom, and she, she's okay with me saying this. She thought it was a cult. She's like, that's a cult. You're not going there. And I'm like, well, I'll work and save up money, and I'll go myself then if you're not going to pay that's my personality type. I'm like, well, I'm still going to do this. I'll just figure out how to make it happen either way because I know God's calling me this way. So I started working construction for about two years. Um, and during that time, I had a really mean and angry boss. Um, every single day, he would say things to me like, man, you're such an idiot. Like, you just don't get this. You're not grasping the job. He, I remember I'd walk into the office and he'd say things like, he'd say, Chris, go put backing in AC32. 
And I'm like, what is backing? What is AC32? What are you talking about? And he'd be like, oh, you're such an idiot. I'll show you to do this. And so I went through this for three months. And actually, on a real note, it was pretty hard because um, I, I consider myself to be a pretty nice guy. Like, I genuinely don't want to go out there and hurt people's feelings. And so I was, you know, not confrontational. I'm a lot more confrontational. or actually will confront people on this stuff now. But back then, I just felt like um, the Holy Spirit was telling me, Heap coals of kindness on his head. So like, when, and that's a proverb. So when he when he actually is mean to you, be kind, and it will like he'll feel convicted over time. And it took about three or four months until he actually realized what he was doing. Um, and that day happened on top of a forklift um, at the top of a building as we were fastening walls into the building. So in this story, um, we're up on this forklift and uh, we're. We're putting on, I think they're, they're called fast walls. So basically you have your structure of the building and then um, the zoom boom is actually putting the wall up and then we're fastening them with bolts onto the infrastructure. Um, you probably don't need to know all these details, but uh, you do. It's good. It's like, oh, nice. Okay. But anyway, so we're putting them on and he, we put them on in the wrong place, basically. Like there was, they're bolted in the wrong place. And so he's like, Chris. Um, he's like, he yells at me, Chris, undo the, or unscrew this bolt. And so I'm trying to unscrew this bolt, and it's stripped, and it's just spinning there. And he starts yelling at me. He's like, you, bleeping, bleep, bleep, bleep. And he starts swearing at me, and he's like, give me this thing. And so then he rips the drill in my hand, and he starts trying to do it himself. And he can't do it. And it's like, he's trying there, he's trying so hard, and I'm, out of this three months of anger and hurt, I start hysterically laughing at him. And I start doing back to him what he's been doing to me, and I'm like, you're such an idiot, oh my gosh. And I just start going off on him. And then he gets in my face, and, and, and we're into this face, we're about to throw down. We're in a fist fight on top of a forklift, at the top of a building. And I'm with a grown man here, and I'm like, I will beat you up right now. You think I'm nice, but I'm still strong. So I will, like, I'm like, I will do this right now. And then, um, so... We're going through this, and we're fighting, and, and I feel the Holy Spirit tell me really clearly, he's like, you need to calm down, and you need to ask for forgiveness. I'm like, what? I'm like, ah, okay. So I just calm down. I'm like, hey, man. And he's yelling at me. Hey, man, calm down, calm down. I'm sorry. Like, I shouldn't have said this to you. Uh, like, I'm, I'm out of line a little bit, and I apologize for, like, freaking out at you and saying this stuff. Um, and he's like, oh, okay. And he's, like, totally caught off guard, and it's like it finally hit him. Um, and, but then I let him know, I'm like, man, but just so you know, like, you were genuinely the worst human being I've ever experienced in my life. Like, you were, like, I'm like, you are literally the, <laughs> you were literally the worst person I've ever worked with or met. Like, just, you suck. But, like, I'm trying to work it out with you. And so, so in that moment, and I was just being honest with him, he just breaks down, he starts crying, and he starts saying, like, he starts saying, I think it was, um, he had a really hard time in his marriage. They were on the edge of divorce. Um, started like processing this stuff with me and I'm like whoa okay this is happening now I mean he's crying grown man big beard crying in my arms and he's sort of talking about how his dad never loved him he rejected him he punished him never said that he loved him all this stuff and so anyways there was this moment uh oh, I hate wasps get them out of here um there was this moment where um I got to I got to share the truth with him about how he how I was experiencing him but also love him and it, it created an opportunity for forgiveness and so that's what I want to encourage everyone here today is that when we, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I did this perfect, I lost my mind on this guy, but when we actually act out of a place of sharing the truth but in love, it, it creates an opportunity for forgiveness. And, and our relationship wasn't perfect um, after that, but we had an opportunity to get to know each other more, and I could see why he was reacting out of a place of hurt instead of love. Okay, so open your, open your Bibles to John 13. We're going to be speaking out of here today or sharing out of here today. 
So we're going to start here. I'm going to be all over the place here in John 13 today. Uh, but we're going to start here in John 13, verses 33 to 35. So it says here, and I'm reading of the Passion Translation, if you, can, if you want to switch your phones to that version. Uh, it says here, my dear friends, I only have a brief time to be left with you, or left to be with you. And then you search and long for me. But I tell you what I told you, I told the Jewish leaders, you'll not be able to come where I am. Verse 34, so I give you now a new commandment, love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. That's so good. I'll read the last part again. So I give you now a new commandment, love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. So the first thing I get out of this really clearly is that Jesus' love is our new standard for loving every single person that we encounter. It says here in the footnote E of John 13, verse 34, Jesus sets a new standard of love before his followers. Although the Old Testament does instruct us to love one another, Jesus now gives the commandment to use his standard of love for us as the true measurement of love as we care for one another. Isn't that incredible? So what that, is, what that is actually saying there is that the way that Jesus makes you feel, the way he is loving you, is the way that you, ha- you are called to. And actually later I'll talk about how he commands us to love other people. So his love is tender. His love is undeserving. His love is beautiful. His love is warm. His love is patient. His love is kind. His love is sincere and authentic, and his love has no strings attached. That's so good. Thank you, Jesus. So the exact love that Jesus is loving you with and on all the grace and all the mercy he is giving you is the love he has actually commanded you to have, every, to have towards every person in your life. And I love this one here where it says no strings attached. I think we actually so often will love people with strings attached. I'll love you if you will be my friend. I'll love you because I want you to do this thing for me. Um, I'll love you, but I want it to happen so that you can actually pursue a relationship back with me. And I think there's all these twisted ways that we love people, not realizing that actually the measurement, the measure right now with Ken even, if I go out for coffee with Ken, my standard for how I treat him is I need to love him as much as God loves him. And as much as God is loving me in the moment, and he's just smiling down saying, you are my son, I'm well pleased to love you. That is the same love I'm supposed to give towards Ken and towards all of you. And so I think... Why I want to talk about this is I think we actually skew our love with our own reasons. We actually take the measurement and the standard of love that God has given us, that he has commanded us to walk in, and we skew it with things that we feel entitled to, like, well, you don't know what the person has said to me. You don't know how they've treated me. You don't know what they've done to me. And we haven't realized that Jesus, our beautiful Savior, died on a cross and said, Father, forgive them. And so I think we really need to bring clarity to our, our, to our situation as a church, in, our, in situations in our own lives, of how we need to love and forgive and move forward as a church, and in every single person's life, the love that God has called you to live in. So I want to go back here to John 13, verses 1 to 4 here. So this is Jesus' last night on the earth. Um, he's he's going to be betrayed by Judas. He, he lets Peter know that you're going to deny him. But this is how Jesus is living his last night. It says here, verse 1, Jesus knew that the night before the Passover would be his last night on earth, before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout this time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep love, deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal into the heart of Ju- Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. 
Verse number three, it says, Now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control, for he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. That is so powerful to me. There's so many things, like so many powerful things to me in John 13, but to know that Jesus, knowing that this is his last night on earth, knowing that the next day he's going to be crucified, a gruesome death on the cross, that the person that he loved and poured his life into is going to betray him, the other person that he loves and is a strong leader in his disciples is going to say that he doesn't even know him. The way he reacts in this is, I'm going to wash your feet, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to love you. Now this is, this is literally my last night. I will ever be with you physically. And what do I want to do? I'm going to love you. I'm going to wash your feet. And I'm going to serve you. It's powerful. It's very powerful. And back then, too, their feet were not like ours. Or we have shoes on the socks. They were disgusting. They were dirty. And so I wanted, to just, I wanted to share about this. I really felt the Lord put this in my heart just to get a clear picture of who Jesus actually is. I think sometimes we can get caught up in being hungry after God, hungry after the gifts, hungry after hearing his voice, hungry after understanding our calling and our destinies. But we need to first start at the foundational thing about the nature of Jesus and the way he served and loved people and forgave them. And that is literally the message that he came to promote in the earth. And I think it's sometimes something that we so easily forget about. And I, mean, can you, I, just, thought, I just thought mentally, like, how can you imagine actually Jesus watch, or washing Judas' feet I could imagine if, let's just say, I mean, someone in here left to betray me to get someone to kill me, and they were going to go do it today. And I'm like, hey, before you leave, let me wash your feet. Let me serve you and love you before you go do that. And that's just insane. I've personally, has anyone ever, like, been a part of feet washing before or have had their feet washed? It's crazy. I did it in, uh, in second year. I had my, my revival group pastor, Jordan DeMarco. He actually... Um, we did this like feet washing thing, ceremony, I guess. That's what you could call it. And um, someone wanted to wash my feet. And I remember I was like, oh, man, this is so weird. Not because I was afraid of them washing my feet, but it was like, it was just so, like, seeing them wanting to do that for me was so humbling that they would do that. And I felt so, like, honored, but also, like, uncomfortable to receive that. And so as they began to wash my feet, I mean, like, I'm just like, man, like, I don't know how, how things are doing down there. Hopefully my feet are good. Like, this is kind of probably gross for you. It's just vulnerable. It felt very vulnerable. And I'm like, just the fact that Jesus wanted to do that. And it felt special. Like, I felt so, like, loved in a way. And so to think that Jesus would do this on his last night on earth for the people that he had in his life is so powerful. It's beautiful. So now our, our question in our lives, it can't be, am I to love this person? I think we actually put conditions on our love and we're like, oh, I don't know if I actually want to love this person. And that's not what Jesus is saying anymore. It's, am I loving them as much as Jesus loves them? And so we need to change that in our minds. It needs to not be, you know, should I love this person or should I show them compassion? It should be, God, am I actually showing them the level of compassion that you have towards them? Am I seeing them through your eyes? Am I loving them as much as you love them? There is no other option for, if you want to actually live your life as a believer and say that you are surrendered to the Son of God and that you are living a life after Jesus, there is no room for anything but loving people. There is room for you to process hurts, to process disappointments, but the end goal is that you are actually going to be loving them as much as Jesus loves them. And we need to understand that when we lay down our lives and we say, I am surrendered to you, Christ, that means we are actually surrendering everything to him. That we're actually dead to ourselves and what we want. And we are fully surrendered to saying, Jesus, I want to love people. I want to serve people the way you do. What does Jesus say here? He says, 
For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. So when the world looks at us and they see divisiveness and they see us not liking one another, they see us separated and us actually gossiping and saying mean things about our brothers and sisters, that is just completely against the nature of Jesus and what he commanded us to do. That literally the world, when they look at us, I believe God wants us to be a, a spotless and a pure bride that loves and builds up one another. Yeah. And that when people look at us, they're like, man, I want that because that is attractive. Like you guys, you guys love one another. You really love one another. You really care for one another. I want to be a part of that. Not I see all this divisiveness. I see all this slander. I see all this stuff happening. I don't want that. Who would want in on that, Really? And so I would love, for me personally, I felt, like, I felt Holy Spirit wanted me to encourage, uh, encourage me to share this. It's just that I would love, personally, if gossip could just end in our, like, end, like, our church could be an example of that ending in church in general. That we could be actually a light and a beacon and a leader and a standard to other people where they want to talk about other people behind their backs. And we would say, no, I'm not going to entertain that, actually. You need to take that up with your brother and sister. Talk with them. And if that's not going to work, bring somebody else. If that doesn't work, come before the pastor of the congregation the biblical standard for that. I remember I grew up in a church, um, and there was a, there were some families there when I was sharing with, like we'd be talking and stuff, and they would just start gossiping about people. They would start gossiping and sharing this and that. It was all out of the name of, oh no, but like I'm just trying to like I'm just trying to talk about them because I want to help them. I want I want to talk about this just because it's good to bring things into the light. But at the end of the day, nobody ever wanted to confront the person and share what they were actually sharing. And so if you're not actually willing to have the conversation with the person, then I would challenge you that it's gossip. If you're not willing to say, actually, you know, I'm going to go approach them and share all this stuff with you. Maybe you need to process it with someone. That's totally different. If I'm with Ken and I'm like, hey, man, Eric really hurt me, which doesn't happen because Eric, he's an amazing guy. But if that happened, that process is only okay if I'm actually going to say, hey, Ken, how can, I, how can I talk with Eric? How can I process with you that I can actually healthily go and communicate this with Eric, Right? And if you're not going to do that, then don't even start. And I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not highlighting anyone in here. I'm just saying in general, I think I'm just so over believers thinking that gossip is actually walking the light because it's not. Walking the light is having an open heart towards a person that you have a problem with and loving them and being open with them and being honest and communicating love. I just had such a problem with, I just do not like when people talk, say things about other people behind their back and don't have... Um, the bravery, the courage to go up and say something to them. On another note, um, I believe that what's really important as a church and as a believer is how you respond to certain situations really shows your character, and then it also sets direction for where you're going next. And so I, I've seen a lot of times how people react in certain situations, and I'm sure you guys have had this before, where someone reacts or says something, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I can, just, I can see where you're at by the way you reacted to this. So I think it's really important that we know every opposition for us in our life, every opposition where it's an opportunity to hold bitterness and resentment is actually an opportunity to love bigger and forgive greater. And I say this lots to people that I love, and it's, maybe it sounds kind of cheesy or inspirational, but every opposition is an opportunity. That every opposition that we will face as a church and as believers and every single individual person in here, any opposition you're experiencing in relationships, physically, emotionally, it's all an opportunity to be transformed into the image of Jesus. That's awesome, right? So good. It's all about perspective. So we need to let Jesus guide us 
and be an example for us when we're in, in, a, in a high place, when we're victorious, and when we're feeling like, man, we were doing the right thing, and, we're, and great things are happening. We need, Jesus, we need to let Jesus guide us there. But especially when times are hard, when things, when there's confusion, and where there's hurt and stuff, we need more than ever for Jesus to guide us in these times. We, need not, we cannot be led astray by our feelings and our emotions of, oh, I feel this, I feel this, I feel that, I'm entitled to my own opinion. We need to stop and say, what does Jesus say in the word? Who is Jesus? He's a lover. He forgives. He does not talk ill about people behind their back. He loves. It's amazing. So I'm going to go into John 13, verses 21 to 30 here quick. Verse 21 here says, Then Jesus was moved deeply in his spirit. Looking at his disciples, he announced, I tell you the truth, one of you is about to betray me. Eyeing each other, his disciples puzzled over which one of them could do such a thing. The disciple that Jesus dearly loved... I love that. This is John. The disciple that Jesus dearly loved was at the right of him at the table and was leaning his head on Jesus. Peter gestured to this disciple to ask Jesus who it was he was referring to. Then the dearly loved disciple leaned into Jesus, Jesus' chest and whispered, Master, who is it? The one I give this piece of bread to after I've dipped it into the bowl, Jesus replied. Then he dipped the piece of bread into the bowl and handed it to Judas, the son of Simon. And when Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus Looked at, uh, sorry, Jesus looked at Jesus and said, what you were planning to do, go do it now. None of those around the table realized what was happening. Some thought, thought that Judas was, was uh, going to go buy bread for the Passover celebration or perhaps giving something to the poor. So Judas left quickly and went out to the dark to betray Jesus. So we have that situation. We have Judas betraying Jesus. And then in John 13, verses 37 and 38 says here, Peter said, what do you mean I'm not able to follow you now? I would sacrifice my life and die for you. Jesus answered, would you really lay down your life for me, Peter? Here's the absolute truth. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will say three times that you don't even know me. So how does Jesus react in this? But sandwiched between betrayal and, and the person he dearly loves, he's going to say that he doesn't even know who he is. He creates a new standard of love. That's powerful. It says here in verse 34, So I give you now a new commandment, love each other just as much as I have loved you. That's so powerful. And I just love that so much. For me, I'm just so, I don't know how you guys are impacted by this. But just to see that Jesus, in the middle of betrayal and denial, he stops and says, I want you to love one another just as much as I have loved you. I don't want you to make excuses for, for not loving each other. I believe that's actually why Jesus not only made it a suggestion and a standard, but it's a command. Love each, my commandment, my new commandment is love one another just as much as I have loved you. And I believe that he knew that how we respond in that moment, like if you want to talk about leadership and setting culture, I believe Jesus was in a, a master of leadership and setting culture in his team. Because I really believe that he knew that after when he was being crucified, there was going to be so much room for bitterment, for resentment towards these people, for hate, to even want to kill these people who are killing their Savior. And Jesus knew that he said in that moment, I command you, love one another. Love them just as much as I have loved you. Because after that, after when all the persecution happened, I believe there was so much opportunity for resentment and bitterness for the disciples to have towards them. But they knew Jesus said, I command you to love them just as I have loved you. So yeah, it's not just a standard. It's a command. It's an order. I'm going to go here into Luke 23, verse 34. We need to realize that the reason that Jesus could do this is because it was his lifestyle. We need to live a lifestyle of loving people and of forgiveness. 
It can't just be something that we do one time. It can't be a, a thing where we're like, all right, you know, finally I'm actually going to muster up some courage and forgive this person and love them. We need to realize that it needs to be a lifestyle. It needs to be a part of our everyday. It needs to be part of our thought process is, is love and forgiveness. If we look at the, at the whole entire imagery of just Jesus being nailed to the cross, what manifested out of him? In that moment when he was being murdered, he was being crucified on the cross, what manifested was love and forgiveness. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. I love them. It says here in, verse, uh, sorry, in Luke 23, verse 34, while they, were na- while they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. It says here in the Greek text, this implies a repetitive action. As, this, as the centurion crushed him to the ground and tied his arms to the crossbeam, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. When the spikes tore through each quivering palm, he prayed, Father, forgive them. When the soldiers parted his garments and, gabbled for the, and gambled for the seamless robe, again Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. During this whole entire process on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them. And I wonder in our lives just what has made us, you know, what was so hard in our personal lives that we can't say, Father, forgive them, that we can't walk in a place of forgiveness. I think it's sobering. We need to come back to the foundational message of Jesus and realize just that we have no excuses for not forgiving people. We have no excuses for not loving people. That if you are sold out to Jesus and you are living a life under his influence, this is what he is commanding. This is who he is. So when we, and, and, and the, the thing with, with withholding forgiveness is the fruit of it is bitterness, it's stress, it's resentment. It's actually a doorway to the attack of the enemy in your life. Because it is the foundational message of Jesus coming and forgiving the world of our sins and right relationship with God and restoring us. And when you say, I'm walking with Christ, yet I can't forgive my brother or sister, it's, it's, it's I don't want to say heresy, but it's directly against the nature of God. So we need to realize that all of that stuff will eventually destroy you. All those things of holding, of not forgiving people, of walking in bitterness and rejecting people, it's eventually going to destroy you. It's not going to destroy them. It's going to destroy you. So what does forgiveness actually mean at its essence? I believe it means restoring someone to the pinnacle of who they truly are in Christ. So what that means is is the person that they once were, who they truly are in Christ, when you are forgiving them, it's actually you restoring them back to the high place, the pinnacle of who they once were. Forgiveness means that after we forgive, we cannot keep holding it against them. We have, been giving, we have given them permission to be restored to the highest point at which they once were. I know I've done this before with, with Katrina, when we've had arguments or we've had fights, and that happens in marriage, as you guys know, is we'll talk about something and I'll forgive her. And then about an hour later, I'm like, you know, you still said this one thing that we haven't talked about. <laughs> and how many of you know that's not forgiveness, right? It's not forgiveness. <laughs> she knows it. She's good. True forgiveness says, although that hurt, I forgive you and I restore you back to the pinnacle of how I used to see you. And if I begin to see you back at this place, like a low place again, that is my responsibility to manage myself. Because I think, I think a lot of times with us is we'll, we will forgive someone and say, yeah, I've forgiven them. But then you still have all this resentment. You still have all this hurt. You still have all this stuff. And we need to realize that if you truly want to forgive somebody and you make that decision, then it's your responsibility to make sure you keep seeing them in this place. That if you let yourself get back to a place where you're resenting them again and you don't like them again, that is your fault. Especially if you've communicated to someone that you've forgiven them. It's actually making a choice saying, 
no matter how hard it is in this moment, I'm going to restore to see you back at who you truly are in Christ, even though you hurt me. And anything else that happens in my heart, if I start to lower the way I see you again, that's actually my responsibility. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think all of us need to hear that because even myself, it's easy to say you forgive someone and then begin to see them again through the hurt, through the lens of whatever, betrayal, disappointment, whatever you can say, whatever that is, right? Yeah, and so my message today isn't long. I'm actually going to wrap up here soon. If we could, like, if you could come play guitar for a minute, we're just going to go through um, just some ministry time and, um, and open our hearts for forgiveness towards people. And I just felt really personally in my heart that this is something that God wanted to share. It's just that we would have a standard of love and forgiveness towards people, that we could actually be a light, that we could be a beacon um, in the city and amongst other churches just of love and of honor, of healthy communication. And just going forward, I felt like this is something that the Lord wanted to maybe confront or convict so we can move on from this place in a healthier place. And I just want to encourage you guys. I think a lot of people, as Canadians, what I've noticed is we're all afraid of healthy communication. I think it's something that's almost in our blood as Canadians. Spending time in America for three years, they don't care too much about your feelings. They'll say what, they, what they're thinking, which I appreciate, actually, because I would rather hear what someone's actually thinking than trying to assume, knowing someone's hurt and assuming what's going through their mind, right? And so I want to encourage everyone here today that if you ever have a problem with someone, if you feel offended, that's okay, but how you deal with it is very important. If we can approach someone and say, hey, I feel this because of this, can we talk about it? That's super healthy. And so, yeah, so let's just bow our heads and let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness, Jesus. And I thank you that um, in the midst of things going in our lives, God, I just pray for forgiveness. I pray that people, even right now, Holy Spirit, that people could put um, whoever this person is on their heart, God, and just put them before them. And I want to encourage you, if there's someone in your heart today that you know that you have withheld forgiveness from, that you even have um, an issue with, I just pray that you could put their, put their face in front of you right now. Put their, um, yeah, put them in front of you right now in your heart or in your imagination and, and just forgive them. I just pray in the Holy Spirit that you would just uh, move in people's hearts to uh, just bring about resolve, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch every single heart here, God, that you could convict all of us individually, God, to love bigger and to forgive greater, God, and to see the, the golden people, Father that we could look at one another and just really see one another uh, through through your eyes, Father. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, for your goodness. I thank you for what you did on the cross. Jesus, I thank you that as you were being crucified, God, as you were being nailed to the cross, you cried out, Father, forgive them. God, that you're a God of love. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so much. Thank you that you love every person here so much, God. And I pray, God, moving forward as a church, I pray that we would be a house, God. We could be a church of love and of forgiveness, God. I pray that we could be a house of healthy communication, Jesus. And I just pray, I just pray for the emotional stability of our church to increase, God, that you're calling us to a new standard. You're calling us to a new level, Father, and I pray that we could just reach out our arms and grab yours and, and go to these new levels with you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I just hear the Father just saying, let them go. I feel like there's people here that they've been holding on to a person or a situation for a long time. One that you have tried to forgive someone through, that you've tried to um, 
you've tried to forgive them before, but I just feel right now the Holy Spirit is just saying, give them to me, give this whole situation to me. And I just, I just break off the lie feeling people need to fix people, that there's, that people in our lives sometimes mess up and they do things that hurt us and there's this need for you to change that, to be a hero, to make sure they know that they need to change all these things. And I just break that expectation and that pressure off yourself that you can forgive someone and just give them to the Lord and let God deal with them. And so God, I pray that you just would alleviate people here today of that. They don't have to carry that burden of um, trying to help people get to a certain point, that God, you can take care of that, Jesus. And I even just see uh, mothers and fathers, mothers and fathers that have disappointed to Jesus. And I just see all over the room, just I think everyone has had pains, God, of parenting. There's just a real thing, Father. And I pray that those people could, God, they could just put their, their parents in front of them, God, and let them know the certain things that hurt. And I just feel like even right now, let's do that. Let's put your parents or whoever this person is in front of you and just in your spirit, pray for them and forgive them. Thank you, God. Yeah, I just see, I just see God actually. I just saw these plants coming out of people. I saw like a new, a new, a new planter, a new season for people. I felt like there's people in here who've been holding on to maybe resentment or bitterness towards someone, even though they've tried to forgive them. And I just feel like God's saying it's a new season today. It's a new season thing that is changing today that I believe God is just downloading and bringing the strength through faith. I just believe God is bringing the strength. He's bringing the restoration. He's bringing the love that you need to let go of this, to let go of the situation, that things are going to change from here forward. And I just declare that God by faith in this room, that whoever is in a situation Right now, where it is hard to forgive and let go fully, that there's going to be a supernatural grace in this season to deal with this, to talk with the person or, or confront them or even just let go of them in their heart, God, that you're going to start making progress in these people's lives, Father. Thank you, Father. And God, we just, God, I just, we thank you, God, for the revelation just to that when people hurt us, God, it's because they don't know who they truly are. And whenever we hurt people, Father, it's all to a place of not understanding our identity as sons and daughters, Father. And so I pray that, I even pray for an understanding for every person here, God, to look at these people who have caused harm or pain in their lives or people that they love lives, that, they, that they, they've done this out of a place of hurt too, of brokenness, Father, that they're not healthy, they're not whole. And I pray that they could see through this pain and see who they truly are and see who these people really are, Father. And that they're just doing things out of being a broken little boy or little girl on the inside too, Father. I just pray, God, that this could be a, a church that we just forgive from our past and we just we start our new lineage in you, Jesus. That our, that our kids, that our grandkids could be emotionally whole and healthy and that we could be the people that you've called us to of love and forgiveness, Jesus.